You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We've been talking as we go through the chapter about different activities which bring us onto the boundary of breaking Shabbat. Not that breaking Shabbat explicitly, really. But we've been circling around the boundaries, the boundaries that the rabbis put on us. And really... Um, we've been focusing on activities which people are under pressure to do because of a mitzvah. We're now going to enter the second chapter. We're talking about lights. It's a very famous chapter because we read it on Erev Shabbat. And we are going to see that the same issues about how close or how far away we can get to um, breaking Shabbat, how far or how close the rabbis will let us go, um, runs right the way through the chapter, as do other kinds of conflicts of values, by the way. And just as an introduction to the chapter of lighting the light, I wanted just to bring you, we're going to le- look at the first mission in a sec, but I just wanted to bring you a comment from the Bartonura on this first Mishnah. And he sets the scene, really, which I wanted us to have in our mind as we read through the Mishnah. The Anan Kaimalan Dener Shel Shabbat Chova. We hold that the Shabbat candle is obligatory. It's not possible to start Shabbat without a candle. And you know, there are all kinds, you know, it's to do with peace in the house, it's to do with joy, it's to do with the fact that, you know, a, 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 um, a, um, um, a meal shouldn't, you know, a meal of a mitzvah shouldn't happen, you know, without light. There are many reasons why the Shabbat candle is obligatory, but because the Shabbat candle is obligatory, how we create it and what sort of danger we get into as we create it is of great interest to the rabbis. So we're going to start. So what are we going to light with and what are we are we not going to light with? And we're now going to have a list of possible wicks. We've got cedar fiber, in this translation, cedar fiber, uncarded flax, raw silk, willow strands, desert wicks, seaweed. These are all different kinds of wicks. And the Gemara goes into great detail to try and figure out exactly what these substances are. And after the list of wicks, we actually have a list of fuels. So we've got Zephet and Shavar and Shemen Kik and Shemen Srefar and Alian Chelev. We've got pitch wax, wax, pitch wax, castor oil. Shemen Srefar, we've touched upon in, in the chapter of Trumot, actually. Shemen Srefar is Truma oil, which has become, um, it's become Tameh. That's a problem. I and mean, we know, right, we know that's a problem, right? Because if it's Tameh, we can't give it to the Kohen, but we can't do anything else with it. So what are we going to do with it? Well, we're going to burn it. Shemen Srefa is Truma oil, which has become Tameh, and we're going to burn it. And usually it's just referred to as Shemen Srefa. That's how we're going to refer it onwards. And then Teel Fatul Chelav. And Nachum Hamadi, Nachum Hamid says that you can kindle with Chelav as long as it's melted and the sages say whether melted or not they may not kindle with it the gemara is going to explain this mishnah in terms of practicality and in particular in terms of how close it might bring us to wanting to break shabbat and the 
rather said we're jumping into the the the, um, the Babylonian the Talmud Bavli now the Babylonian Talmud until now we've mainly looked at the Yerushalmi actually but now we're in the Bavli and he explains look we've had a list of wicks and we've had a list of oils that's in our Mishnah that's the structure of the Mishnah the wicks and the oils and and Rabba said the wicks are given because the fire flickers on them. It sputters and it doesn't work, burn well. And the oils operate in the same way. They're not drawn effectively by the wick. And the rabbis are worried that we've got a light. We have, a, um, we have an ancient light, a light at the time of the Mishnah, essentially a crockery implement full of oil. And it's got a wick hanging into it. The, we light the wick and the wick will draw the oil out of the crockery implement. It's hanging over. And the rabbis are anxious that we're going to somehow, if it's not drawing well, we're going to tip the oil and start a real fire. And we know from all of our discussions on cooking and on fire on Shabbat in the first chapter that we can't create a real fire on Shabbat. We can carry on a fire which is already lit. But just as we're not going to stoke the coals to improve the heat on our roast, remember that's the end of the last chapter of the Mishnah. We, we don't put ourselves into a situation where someone might be tempted to stoke the coals in order to get a better roast for his Shabbat evening dinner. We don't want to put ourselves in a situation where we might tip, we might be tempted to tip the light, tip this, this wooden vessel in order to get more oil into the wick. And then we might start a real fire. And then, or we might stoke up the fire and then we really have broken Shabbat. So we're trying to keep, we need light. The light is a mitzvah. But having that light brings us very close to breaking Shabbat and we need to keep away from that. And that's the reason behind this particular choice of oils and wicks. It's analogous in some way to how we behave with food going onto the roast as Shabbat, as Shabbat comes in. Now, the Mishnah then goes on to say, We don't light with Shemen Shrefa on festivals. And we saw at the end of the previous Mishnah, Mishnah 1, Shemen Shrefa is one of the lists of things that we don't kindle with. We don't kindle with pitch, wax, castor oil, Shemen Shrefa. And there is a view in the Gemara, by the way, that this halacha that applies to ordinary Shabbatot is actually applied because sometimes an ordinary ordinary Erev Shabbat, an ordinary Erev Shabbat, which is really when we're going to light our light, okay? We're going to light on Erev Shabbat. We're not lighting on Shabbat. Sometimes the Erev Shabbat falls on a festival. And we have a Pasuk. It's a pasuk related to offerings. We don't leave the offerings. Um, uh, we, we don't leave anything left over until morning. And And if any of it's left the next morning, we burn it. And this is the next morning after the festival. The idea is that we burn leftover sacrifices the day after the festival but we don't burn them on the festival itself and along the same lines we don't burn shemen srefa on a festival itself and the second mishnah is a reference to not burning 
it's not we're not going to burn holy things on Yom Tov. And that probably explains why, or at least according to the Gemara, that explains why generally we don't use Shemen Srefa for oil for, for lighting on Shabbat. Because Erev Shabbat may be a festival. And then Rabbi Ishmael is going to carry on with some more kinds of, of fuels. Tar, because it smells bad, it's not it's not honourable to the Shabbat. And um it's it's not honourable to the Shabbat to, to light with tar. There's something that smells disgusting. The sages permit with all kinds of oils, and there's a whole list of oils here which are permitted. And then Rabbi Tarfon comes in at the end and he says, No. Um Rabbi Tarfon comes in at the end, he says, No, Ain Madlikin Ela Bashemin Zait Bilvad. You have to use olive oil. Just as we tried John Hanukkah, by the way, because we know that olive oil is the best kind of oil. And the Gemara, the Halakha, by the way, does not go according to Rabbi Tafon. But the Gemara strikes back in a way which is incredibly powerful and perhaps give us, gives us some relevance. It's perhaps relevant to the way we, we um, judge Halakha today. And the Gemara says, look, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri stood up and, and to argue against Rabbi Tafon. Rabbi Tafon is a purist, by the way. He saw the Beit Migdash. He quite often follows Beit Shammai. We learnt that Rabbi Tafon sometimes follows Beit Shammai according to his and gets into trouble by doing so. He's, so he's, Rabbi Tafon's an extremist. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri stands up and says, no, we can't go like this. What about people in Babylonia who don't have olive oil? They only have sesame oil. Or people in Media who have a nut oil. Or people in Alexandria who have radish oil. Or in Cappadocia who have not only naft. Rather, he said, Ela, ein lecha, ela mash amrucha hamim, ein madlikin. You can only prohibit the things that the sages have said you have to prohibit. If, in other words, if the sages have said, Ain Mudlikin, we don't like with them, you can prohibit them. But you can't go, you can't run around prohibiting other things just because you think olive oil is a better oil. There's a restriction on how many restrictions you can place on the people of Israel. It's not fair to the people of Israel to put more restrictions on them. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri is saying, look, you know, if the, if the sages have said they, we can't do something, we can't do it, but you can't add to that. The third Mishnah then deals with technical issues to do with Tumah and Tavrai, and it jumps off just a, a simple statement. The only thing you can light with that comes from a tree is flax. But then the Mishnah goes on to draw a comparison, and we've seen this before, by the way, in the... Um, Mishnah Bikurim, that the Mishnah likes to draw comparisons between one type of halakha and another. And we're now going to draw comparisons between what we can light with and what contract, what can become tameh. And we know that if um, somebody dies in a tent, not only the, and you can check this, if you look in the Parsha of Chukat, at the sprinkling with the ashes of the red heifer, you'll see that when someone dies, not only things that the dead corpse has touched or people that the corpse has touched, but also the tent that has been touched, the, 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 the tent that the corpse is lying in are sprinkled with the ashes of the red heifer in order to make them to whore again. And the Mishnah is going to say, you know, just as you don't lie with anything from the tree except flax, anything that comes from a tree, anything that you make a tent out of that comes from a tree, can't become tummy except flax. 
flax, if you like, is it's, it's too close to clothing, basically. And along the same lines, a, a wick made of cloth. Remember, they used to make wicks out of cloth in those days. They used to take old cloth and twist it. Now, a cloth, of course, is a piece of clothing which can contract too much. What's its status if we turn it into a wick? Well, it's sort of halfway one and halfway to the other. Rabbi Eliezer says it's tame. In other words, it can become tame. It's still a piece of clothing. And he says you can't lie with it. Rabbi Akiva says it's tahor. It's become a wick, not a piece of clothing. And he also says you, you can lie with it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.